You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. All right. Well, good morning, Radiant Church. So good to see all of you here. If you're new, welcome. My name is Marco. I'm the lead pastor of Radiant Church. And happy St. Patty's Day weekend, technically. I think the parade is happening this afternoon, and so stay safe. We haven't had it in a couple of years, so I'm sure it's pretty exciting for, for many of people in our city. Hey, quick reminder, though, for all of you, next week, Pastor John Zondervan, uh, the, very, uh, the very Jay-Z, will be here with us, and he is incredible. We love him. He's a campus pastor over Radiant Kalamazoo. Um, that's always great to have him here. We will also have baptisms right here at Radiant Church, so celebrate with us. Yeah, you can clap your hands. Super good news. We want you to be here to celebrate with us. And of course, this week, we have our prayer and worship night. We're praying Psalm 23 over our church and over the families of our church. We've got a lot of families um, just going through some really hard stuff in this season of our church. And I felt uh, the Holy Spirit say we, we should pray through Psalm 23 over our families, over our, over our church. And so we would love to see you at all of those things in the coming days this week. Well, today, listen, you know what? I'm gonna, I forgot it again. I did this in first service. You may have noticed Jacob is with us. Jacob Moffitt from uh, Radiant, Callum, or Radiant Jackson is with us this morning playing keys, leading some worship for us. He did a phenomenal job, did he not, right? Awesome, yeah. And so I uh, just wanted to welcome him as our guest. He's here with his wife and his family as well. So we're so grateful for them. Well, listen, today we are in the book of Acts uh, one more time. It's part 13. We've been in this for 13 weeks, you guys. And we have many more weeks to go, of course. But if you're new to Radiant Church or maybe you're just coming back to church Maybe you've been absent for a long time, and it's like you're coming in for the first time. The book of Acts is found in the New Testament, and it is essentially the story of the life of the early church. And We've been learning so much from their example, from the things that went well and the things that went terribly wrong as well. And this morning, we are going to be in Acts chapter 9, and we're going to look at the first 20 verses. There's a lot to cover of Acts chapter 9, so I won't waste much of your time this morning. We're going to dive right in. This is the story of Saul's conversion. Saul's conversion. He was not a follower of Jesus, but then he meets Jesus, and he has a radical change in his life. And so if you have a Bible, I would love for you to follow along with me or a smartphone if not, we're going to have the verses right behind me. So we're going to begin in Acts chapter 9. After that, I'll pray, and then we'll get into the rest of our message. Luke records this, Acts chapter 9. Verse number 1 says this, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? 
Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus, and for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight, on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying in a vision. He has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, too late, I chose you, right? Go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. <clears throat> he said, Brother, Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the, on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up, and he was baptized, and after taking some food, he he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. And finally, verse number 20. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. That Jesus is the Son of God. Today, this morning, I've entitled my message, Meeting the Real Jesus. Meeting the Real Jesus. So I'm going to pray with all of you, and then we're going to dive into God's word and what he has to say to all of us this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for your word. It's alive. It's active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. God pierces into our hearts. God, we read your word, and yet the word reads us. Lord, would you open blind eyes this morning? Would you soften hardened hearts? Spirit of God, would you move in this place in our lives? Would you heal marriages, God? broken marriages in this room right now. Husbands aren't able to talk to their wives. Wives are not able to talk to their husbands in the way that they used to 20 years ago. Lord, would you restore marriages? God, would you bring hope to those who are hopeless? Lord, would you bring love to those who may have come in with bitterness, with unforgiveness, or even hatred? Lord, would you soften hearts? Lord, would you draw men and women to you this Father, we ask that you just rest in this place. Lord, I pray that as I pray, you might speak to each of us as individuals, Lord. God, would you whisper in our ears? One whisper from you can change a life, can change, Lord, our lives for eternity. Lord, would you draw young people to you, specifically teenagers who may be in the room or watching online, maybe they stumbled across this live stream, Lord, would you draw them? So many teenagers are lost in our region, searching for an identity apart from you. 
God, would you draw them to you? God, would you lead and guide young adults, 20-somethings? We have a lot of 20-somethings in our church. God, would you give them clarity? Would you give them purpose found only in you? Jesus, we love you, and we pray all of this. In your beautiful name, amen. What does it mean to, re- to meet the real Jesus? What does it look like to have an encounter with the real Jesus? In Acts chapter 9, Saul has an encounter with the real Jesus. And what happens? Everything changes. Everything changes. And so this morning, what I want to do is we're going to begin looking at three different things that happen to Saul Rather, three things that happen to us when we meet the real Jesus. Before we go there, though, I want to begin with the story. In 2018, we were meeting at Banger Central Elementary. Many of you know that that's where we used to meet as a church. We were a set-up and tear-down church, and we'd get there early in the morning, and there was a team, and Andy was the leader of that team, and he'd come in at 6.30 and unload the trailer with a team, and We'd get it all ready, and then we'd pack it all up at the end of the day. And there was a couple that came through those gymnasium doors in 2018, and I've never met this couple before at that point. And there was a woman who came in, and I've never met this woman in my life, okay? So she comes through the doors, and the first thing that she says is this, can we meet sometime? And I say to her, yes, but you might want to attend service first before you want to actually meet with me. And she says, oh, yeah, 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 of course, of course. And so this couple uh, comes in, and they attend service. Now, sure enough, listen, just a couple weeks later, I end up meeting this woman downtown at a coffee shop, and we have coffee together, and she begins to tell me this. She begins to say that when I walk through the doors of that gymnasium, she says, I'd never felt the presence of God like I felt it like in that moment. And like, she hadn't even attended a service, okay? So she walks in and she says to me, she begins telling me the story of how Jesus had revealed himself to her in a very powerful and personal way and that everything was changing. And I looked across from that table as we were enjoying a latte or a cappuccino or whatever it was, and I said to her, it sounds like you met Jesus. And can I just tell you, this is all normal, okay? This is all normal. She would later go on to be baptized with her husband, um, Don. In fact, Don Stanley is still a vital part of our church today. Now, sadly, Jamie was her name. Jamie was diagnosed with cancer. And although she she fought a a hard battle, uh, a difficult battle, battle. In 2019, she would go on to be with the Lord. Jamie was a kind, compassionate, God-fearing woman. Jamie met the real Jesus. Her life was changed forever. When we look at the Bible, when we open up the pages of Scripture, when we talk about conversion, what does it mean to, be, to become a follower of Jesus? Jesus' words himself in John chapter 3, he says it like this. He says it's like being reborn, being born again. It's a rebirth. 
Paul, when he describes what it means to, to be converted, to, he describes it like this. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he says, you become a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. New creation. John, who was one of the closest disciples to Jesus, he describes salvation or conversion like this, like from passing from death to life. So we see in the scripture when people talk about salvation or rather conversion, they say it's a rebirth. They say you become a new creation. They say it's like passing from death to life. Doesn't that sound like, listen, doesn't that sound like so much more than simply intellectual assent? Yes, it does, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound like so much more than simply believing a doctrinal statement? Doesn't it sound like so much more than the response that so many people say, yeah, I go to church. Yeah, rating's pretty cool. That's it, huh? When we look at Scripture, conversion is described as so much more. So this morning... We're going to look at three things that happened to Saul, and really, we're going to bring this home to us. Three things that happen when you and I, we meet the real Jesus. The first thing that happens is this. When you meet the real Jesus, you receive a new identity. This is so important, and I'm going to spend several minutes here because this is vital to understanding what it means to be converted to become a Jesus follower. I want you to go back to Acts 9, 13 through 15. Look what it says here. It says this, Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about the man and all the harm that has been done to your holy people in Jerusalem. Right? He's like, I know this guy and his reputation precedes him. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings, to the people of Israel. I love this section because the Lord is telling Ananias, listen, or Jesus is telling Ananias, listen, Ananias, I know that you think that you know who, who Saul is, but I'm going to tell you who Saul really is, right? I'm going to tell you who Saul really is. I know that you know that Saul used to be a persecutor of the church, but I'm going to make him one of the greatest preachers that ever walked the earth. I'm going to change his story, and literally, I'm going to change his identity. Now, Saul receives a new identity here. Now, some people think that Saul received a new name in this moment, but that's actually not true. If you do a bit more research, scholarship actually says that dual names, the custom of dual names was a common thing in those times, it's sort of first century uh, Israel, Mediterranean Right? So here's the thing, that Saul would have been his Hebrew name, and Paul would have been his Greco-Roman name. And so here's the idea, that when Saul receives the Great Commission to take the gospel to who? To the Gentiles, he uses the name Paul, which is his Greco-Roman name. And when he does that, listen, that would have, that would have set his listeners at ease. And so they would therefore then be able to tune in to the message that Paul God did not simply stop Paul, I'll say Paul today or right now, in his tracks, his grace utterly transforms him, right? Now, later on, here's the cool thing. Paul would talk about this new identity. It's in Philippians. I want to show you. Paul talks about this new identity that's in Jesus, and he hints at where he used to place his identity. So let's look there together. Philippians chapter 3, 
verses 8 and 9, here's what Paul writes. He says, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom or for whose sake I have lost all things, right? I've lost all things. I've lost all my former friends. I lost my former community. I lost the things that I used to hold dearly. I lost all those things. I consider them garbage, rubbish, that I may gain Christ. And here's the key phrase, church, and be found in him, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of what? Of faith. I love this. I love this because Paul's saying this. Listen, all the things that he used to, to place his identity in, those things are rubbish. What did he use to place his identity in? Well, I'll tell you. It was being circumcised on the eighth day. It was uh, being a Hebrew from uh, the tribe of Benjamin. It's being flawless when it comes to the law. That's like, I'm like perfect, which if you think about it, that's mind-blowing. I mean, that's crazy, right? Flawless. He was a Pharisee. He studied under uh, the, the, the Rabbi Gamil, right? The Pharisee Gamil. He had this prestigious background. And now he says all those things are just a loss. It's rubbish. It doesn't even matter. What matters most is that what? He's found in Jesus Christ. He's found in Jesus Christ. I want, I want to hang out here because I want to, I want to make this really practical so that we understand it today. Because I think sometimes in the church, when we talk about identity, it just seems like very Christianese. It's like, oh yeah, my, my identity's in Jesus, but people have no idea what that, that means. So I want to break this down for you just a bit for the next several moments. How do most people find their identity today? Well, I'm going to give you two ways that most people, most of the world, most of culture how they find their identity, right? Now, the first way is this, is that they, they look, people look outside of themselves in what they do. People look outside of themselves in what they do. This is why the question, hey, what do you do, is one of the biggest questions ever, right? Now, when you're asked that question, you either try to avoid the conversation or you swell up with pride, right? You try to avoid the conversation or you swell up with pride. Hey, I'm a doctor, and that's right, you can call me doctor. That's right, you can. Yeah. And I worked hard to get here. That's right. I'm a pediatrician, right? I'm a lawyer. I'm a plumber. Whatever it might be, right? I'm an electrician. Yes. And I have my own business, too. <laughs> right? right? So we swell up with pride. And let me just say this. Nothing wrong with taking pride in what you do. I'm a teacher, I'm this, I'm a caregiver, whatever it might be. Nothing wrong with taking pride in what you do. Listen, the danger, however, kind of comes in when we build an identity off of that, right? Here's why, here's why. When we base our identity in whatever we do, it's based on performance. It's based on performance. So what happens, let me ask you this, what happens when your career doesn't go like you th think it should go? What happens when you haven't had a raise in 12 years? What happens when the business you started fails, utterly fails? Well, guess what happens? You are crushed. What happens when you place your identity in a lover? What happens when you place your identity in a spouse, right? In a husband or a wife? 
You know you're, you've built your whole identity upon them. Here's what happens when they say goodbye, when they disappoint you, when she walks out that door, when he leaves you, you are left utterly devastated. And here's what people say. I don't even know who I am anymore. Have you ever heard that? Yeah, people say that all the time. I, I don't even know who I am, Pastor. I'm like, okay. Like, where have you built your identity? When those things fail, crushes us. So the first way to find your identity, listen, is to, buy, is to look outside of yourself, okay? Many, many people do that. The second way to find your identity is by looking inside of yourself, by looking inside of yourself. And can I just say, this by far is the dominant identity maker today. This, this is the dominant one right now. This is all you hear in culture, right? People, hey, culture believes that if you have to find yourself, what you need to do is you need to look inside of yourself. I'm just going to look inside. I just need to, who am I? And then how you feel about yourself becomes who you are. And then everyone around you must affirm that, by the way. So I'm going to look, I'm going to look on the inside of me, and I'm going to, here's what I see. Here's how I feel, because feelings are king right now. Right? Does this make sense? Feelings are king right now. This is how I feel about who I am, so this must be who I am. This is, so many people say this, right? But again, what's the danger here? Where, listen, this is an identity that's built on shifting sand because we all know that feelings, listen, they ebb and flow. And, and one day you feel great about yourself. You're like, ha ha, standing on cloud nine, like I'm living the life. The next day you're like, I hate myself. I'm fat. I got a zit. I look terrible in these jeans. Gosh, who am I? Your identity keeps shifting with how you feel, right? If you feel you're one way, if you feel like your sexual identity is in one way or one camp, then that's who you become because that's based on your feelings. But here's the deal again. Church, listen. Feelings change over time. Right? And we, it ebbs and flows. And again, we're left saying, listen, who am I really? Who am I really? I don't know. I wish I knew. I'm trying to find myself right now, right? So here's, here's some of our options, right? Number one, we can look outside of ourselves with what we do. Number two, we look on the inside of ourselves with who we are and how we feel about ourselves. But is there a third option? Yes, there is. And I would argue that it's the best option, okay? It's far better than the, than the previous two I've listed for you, okay? And by the way, this is the, this is the method Jesus used. It's looking upward to God. We're not looking outward, we're not looking inward, we're looking upward. This is what Jesus did. This is what Jesus himself did. Jesus did not find his identity by looking on the inside of himself and saying, wow, I must be this, uh, wow, I must be that. Jesus did not look at his, his gifts and the thing that he did. Jesus did not say, man, I can multiply bread and fish like nobody's business. Uh, I am the Messiah, thank you very much, right? Jesus said, I will heal that woman in the back with the double sight, double vision. I will. Man, I can heal like nobody else can. Jesus did not build his identity on what he did. What did he do? He heard the voice from his Father in heaven. This is my beloved Son, who I am well pleased with. Listen to him. Jesus came out of the waters of baptism. John the Baptist had baptized Jesus in the voice of heaven. The Father affirms his identity. Before Jesus preaches a sermon, before Jesus teaches anyone, before Jesus does any cool tricks, the Father affirms who he is. Listen, you need to do the same thing. Your identity not needs to come, doesn't need to come from what you do. It doesn't need to come from who you think you are on the inside or how you feel. It comes alone from what he says you are. 
who he says you are. I love what Timothy Keller says in Making Sense of God. He says this, and now in Christ, it is literally true that the person that we adore most in the universe adores us. In the eyes of God, in the opinion of the only one in the universe whose opinion ultimately counts, we are more valuable than all the jewels that lie beneath the earth. So here's the deal, church. Listen, when we look outward, it's based on performance. When we look inward, our identity is based on our feelings. When we look upward, our identity is derived from his unchanging love for us. And that doesn't change, right? Of course. Listen, we don't perform so that God can love us. We're not performing monkeys. We don't obey so that Jesus can love us. Rather, we obey because Jesus has already loved us and accepted us. Right? We don't obey God so he can like us better. Okay? We, rather, we gladly give our lives away. We, we gladly submit to his way of doing life, his way of, of sexuality, his way of, of how we conduct our lives when no one else is looking. Why? Because he's gladly gone before us on the cross and he's made a way for us. So when we meet the real Jesus, listen, you and I, we receive a new identity. The second thing that happens when you meet the real Jesus is this, is that you receive new sight. You receive new sight. I, I want to talk about this. I'm not necessarily talking about physical blindness here, so let me explain. Let's go back in the text here. Acts chapter 9, verses 17 through 18, it says this, then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul, All right? So he's, he's going he's to heal him. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, bless you, by the way, on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He could see again. He got up, and he was baptized. Let me just say this. Saul was not just physically blind. He was spiritually blind. He was spiritually blind. Now, this is interesting. Jesus calls the Pharisees, blind guides, okay? It's Matthew 15. We'll go there in a moment. Jesus calls the Pharisees blind guides. Why does he say that about them? Well, let's go there. I want to give you just a little bit of context. Just a couple of verses. Matthew 15, 7 through 9. Notice what he says. He says, you hypocrites. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, he's not speaking from the Old Testament. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but what? But their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely what? Human rules. Human rules. We have, we have, we have some people in the church who have religious zeal, but unfortunately have not met the real Jesus yet, right? Okay? So what happens when you have a religious zeal, but you haven't met the real Jesus? I'll tell you what happens. You become self-righteous. That's what happens. You become critical of everyone's sin and everyone's failures around you, but you fail to realize your own sin in your own heart. Right? You have religious zeal, but you haven't met the real Jesus. Let me say it simply like this. You end up loving God, but not loving people. Ooh, I'll preach. We got some people in our city who are religious and yet are far from God. 
You love God, you claim to love God, but not love people. Jesus said the greatest commandment was to love uh, the Lord your God with all your heart and mind your soul and to love your neighbor as yourself. To love God is to love neighbor, right? However different that neighbor may be as well. When you meet the Jesus, when you meet the real Jesus, all of a sudden, listen, you can see clearly you, you see your own faults. You, you see that you need mercy, okay? You need grace from your spouse. Help me out here, folks, right? We need a little grace in our marriages, don't we? Come on, someone. I've been married longer than five days, okay? I know what it's like, okay? You need a little mercy in your marriage. You need a little grace in your relationships with your son and with your daughters, with your family members, with your church family. You need a little grace and you, little, you, you need a little mercy, Right? And you, we need to also, what, extend that grace and mercy outward as well. That's what it means to have eyes to see. Listen, church, I, I don't want you to just be religious. I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? Got a shoulder clap on that one. Come on. I don't want you to just be religious, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, eyes wide open for the love of God, but eyes wide open for love for people as well. Okay? When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's a heart open to God's plans, but a heart that's also steered towards the needs of those around you. Right? Loving God and loving people. Right? If you receive new sight, there's one more thing that you receive when you meet the real Jesus. Meeting the real Jesus means this. Number three, you live a changed life. You live a changed life. Let me just say something quickly about this. There have been people who have asked me before, how, how do I know? Like, how do I know if he's a believer? I want to date him because he's hot, right? He's got six-pack, and I want to date him, but I don't know if he's saved or not. He says he goes to church, but... I don't even know if he does that. How do I know, Pastor Marco? I just don't want to be single forever. Ugh, can you just tell me? And I'll say, well, it's a changed life. It's a changed life. What, what, I, 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 I don't know. I, 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 he, said, he says this. He said, he's talking a lot, doesn't he? He talks a lot, doesn't he? Yeah. But what's the fruit, right? Is there a changed life behind all that talking? That's the question that we must ask, right? Is there a changed life? Look at Acts 9, verse number 20. It says this. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. And I love this because it says at once. It's like Luke is trying to say immediately it happens. I'm like, there's a, there's a rapid change. And now, I mean, Saul has been ra radically changed. Now he's, he's preaching the gospel. Paul goes from throwing Christians in jail to proclaiming and preaching the very name who he once hated. Right? This is a radical change for, for Paul's life or, or Saul's life. Luke, Luke tells us, and I was thinking about Luke because Luke is our writer here, right? I was thinking about the gospel of Luke. Luke also tells us of this conversion story that happens in Luke's gospel. And there's, a, there's some similarity here. I want you to see this. It's a man, you may remember the story. It's a man named Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus, a wee little man, right? Climbs a sycamore tree. He's trying to get a view of who Jesus is. The real Jesus is coming into town. And Zacchaeus wants to see him, right? He's short, he's, right? He's disabled vertically, whatever you want to call it, right? He climbs the tree, and there he sees the real Jesus. And then Jesus comes up to him and says, 
Zacchaeus, I see you. We're having falafel today at four. Be there. It's the new Marco translation, by the way, right? Zacchaeus is like, yes, I'm, I'm oh, wow, yeah, yeah, let's do this. Like, you're, you're coming, yeah, you're going to eat with me? That's amazing. And all the sinners, all the Pharisees and the religious people are murmuring, like, oh, my gosh, Jesus is going to eat with a sinner. Oh, if he only knew. And Zacchaeus is the chief tax collector, which, by the way, that's the only time in the New Testament where that title is used, chief tax collector. He was hated. He was not popular at all, Okay. He's hated because he's in cahoots with the Roman government. And so he's hiking up the, the, the taxes so he can make a profit for himself. And the Jews despise Zacchaeus. He's like, oh, we hate that dude, right? Why, who is, and, and Jesus comes into town. Zacchaeus sees him, right, invites him over for some um, falafel or maybe some, you know, uh, what else, Sonny? Maybe like a shawarma? Yeah, some, whatever. Yeah, you get my picture, right? Some hummus and garlic paste or whatever. And uh, I, I love shawarma, by the way. Which, like, uh, what's, the, what's that meat called? No, the lamb stuff. The lamb shawarma. Oh, whatever. Okay, let's keep going. Lamb shawarma. Okay, whatever it is. I can't, I can't think of the name right now. Anyhow, listen. Here's what I want you to notice. Sorry to go on that tangent for a moment. I'm getting hungry, I think. Here's what Zacchaeus says. Can we go to Luke? Let's go to Luke. Luke 19, verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody, which is like, come on, Zacchaeus, you cheated everyone. What are you, you, who are you fooling, man, right? If I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And the reason why I love the story so much is because Zacchaeus is not just saying, Lord, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm, so, I'm sorry. What are you talking about, Pastor Marco? There's actions that follow it. That's what I'm trying to say. He doesn't just say, I'm sorry. He says this, listen, if I've cheated anyone, I will give. Like, Well, he's going to give half of his possessions to the poor and to those who he's cheated. He's going to pay back four times the amount, which is incredible, right? So Zacchaeus experiences, listen, a change of heart, and it leads to, listen, church, a change in life. Okay, I want to see these expressions on your faces. A change in heart leads to a change in life. When your heart changes, your life follows as well. That's how you ultimately know. Words can be used by anybody, right? But a changed life says so much more. Now, I want to say something about this. Because in our culture, there is far too often a gap between what we believe and our actions. And can I just say, Westerners, we are very comfortable with that. Far too often there is a gap between what we believe and our actions. Now, I'm going to prove it to you right now. We're going we're to do a, a, science, a science experiment really quick. Bring those lights down 25% if you would so I can just see you for a moment and you can put them right back up, team. I want to see you for a moment. Listen, I want you to raise your hand. Hold on. Hold on. Don't. You're excited. I know. You're excited. But raise your hand if you believe, this, the key word is believe, if you believe that eating healthy and exercising is important to live a healthy life. If you believe that, go ahead and raise your hand in the air. 
Hallelujah. Look at all the health nuts we have. No, you're not a health nut. Now, now listen. Here, put the hands down. Now, let me ask you the second question. Now, if you're actually eating healthy and exercising, raise your hand. Ooh, ooh, that's not, ooh, ooh, okay, okay. Lights can go back up, team. Lights can go back up. Uh, yeah, that, about a third of you put your hands back up, and that's it, right? So, listen, for the third of you, for the 30% that are extremely disciplined, you have met or you have matched your beliefs with how your actions. Praise God for you. But for the rest of us, there is a gap, right? <laughs> there is a gap, right? I will go to the Y, but I'm eating pizza the next day, just being honest, okay? Okay, I have no problem pumping some iron at the Y. I'd love to do that. Me and James and Elijah will go and hang out and pump some iron, have a great time, but then we'll throw down and we'll smash some Uptown Grill in the next hour, okay? Okay, so... We're trying to match up our beliefs with our actions, right? And that's so often in our culture, there is a gap between what we believe and, and our actions. This is why, listen, listen to me carefully, church. This is why people in the West, listen, this is why so often we can say, I believe in Jesus, and yet I live with my girlfriend. Uh-oh, I just went there. I believe in Jesus, and yet I'm still looking at porn. I believe in Jesus, but I'm fooling around with all these relationships I have no business being in. There's a, there, there's a gap between what you believe and your actions. You know, so often in the West, Western culture, when we say that phrase, right, I believe in Jesus, in this part of the world, it's like slapping a Jesus sticker on our already formed life. Our lives are already formed. We, we like them the way they are. We're just adding Jesus to it. That's, I see that a lot in Bay City. I see that a lot just in Western culture. Yeah, I believe in Jesus, but it's like nothing has changed, right? You're just slapping the Jesus bumper, stick, bumper sticker on your life that you have no intention on changing at all. So what we see in Scripture, though, is that this was unheard of for the ancients, Okay? Because why? Because you displayed your beliefs by how you lived. You displayed your beliefs by how you lived. Now, granted, I understand no one is perfect. We all fall short of the glory of God, according to Romans and Paul, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I fall short. You fall short. However, there is a change in our lives when we meet the real Jesus. We're not just here, listen, church, we're not just here waiting around to go to heaven, that's what a lot of people believe. Hey, I said the prayer. Um, I believe Jesus lived, he died, he rose again. Um, yeah, that's all good. And I'm going to heaven when I die, but I like to have a little fun on the weekends, if you know what I mean. Hey, you know what I'm saying, right? A little fun. And we're just kind of waiting around for heaven like it's all good. That's not biblical Christianity. You see, the Bible, when it comes to Christianity, it's not as much about us going to heaven as it is about the life of heaven coming alive on the inside of us right now. That's biblical Christianity. And we've been dealt this lie that just says, hey, you're good, and, 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 and you don't have to do anything else, and, and just wait around for heaven, and you can just kind of do you, boo-boo, and everything's good, right? Everything's good. Sleep with whoever you want to sleep with, and do this, and do that, right? And, shack up here and do that and it's all good right you believe in jesus <laughs> it's all good 
But that's not biblical Christianity. There's a life change that happens. Some of you are experiencing a little conviction right now. And, and let me just say, just welcome it. Just welcome it. It's okay. It's okay. We need the conviction of the Holy Spirit because that leads to change in our lives, right? When I'm convicted, man, the Lord gets a hold of me. The same thing. I'm just like, ooh, ooh. Yikes, what have I done? And so this morning, listen, I want to conclude our time together. And as we do, listen, I, I do, I do want to invite you to meet the real Jesus. I really do. I'm going to invite you to meet the real Jesus. Because meeting the real Jesus, let me just review quickly, means this, means you receive a new identity, a new identity found in Christ. Your identity doesn't come from what you do outside of you. Your identity doesn't come from looking on the inside of you, and this is how I feel about myself. Your identity, despite your vocation, listen, comes from Jesus, what he says about you. Number two, when you meet the real Jesus, listen, you receive new sight. It's like you can see, you're not just religious, you're not just self-righteous, okay? You love God and you love people at the same time. When you meet the real Jesus, listen, you live a changed life, a changed life. It's not, it, does, it doesn't look like anything before. Jesus begins to radically change you and things, things begin to change in your life. You live a totally different life to the glory of God. And this morning, listen, I'm just putting my cards out there this morning. I'm gonna invite you to meet the real Jesus because I know that you can go to church and still not meet the real Jesus, right? I know that you can sit in a chair and listen to a sermon and yet not have met the real Jesus, right? That happens all over the West. That happens all over the world, actually. And this morning, I just wanna invite you that maybe if you're here and you sense that, you're like, you sense this in your heart, in your mind, I don't know, I don't think I have. Oh my goodness, like, wow, I didn't, I didn't realize this. I, my life really hasn't changed much. Oh boy, oh, okay, wait, maybe I haven't met the real Jesus. Listen, I just wanna pray with you this morning. And if we could just do this, I, I, would, I would appreciate if we could all just pray together, that'd be, that'd be amazing. But I want you to just, can we just uh, maybe posture ourselves in a posture of prayer right now, if you wouldn't mind. And if you could bring the lights down for just a moment, about 25% down. I wanna just invite you to meet the real Jesus this morning. And I'm gonna give you a few moments here. And if that's you this morning, here's what I want you to do. Would you just lift your hand up in the air? Just be bold. Don't worry. I mean, people are not really looking around, right? I see one hand. I see a hand back there. Thank you. I see another hand on the side. Another hand, another hand, another hand. I see two hands in the back. Awesome, awesome. Anyone else? If you're thinking, I don't know if I met the real Jesus. I, I want to receive him today, Marco. I see that hand. Thank you so much. Several people raising their hands today. And can we do this? You can put your hands down today, this morning. I want to pray with you. Would, you. would you just repeat this prayer after me? This is, not a, this is not a magical formula. This is not an incantation. This is not the end of your relationship with God. This is only the beginning. Okay? This is only the beginning. In fact, you need the local church to help you follow Jesus. But can we do this? Can we all pray this out loud? Just repeat after me. Let's pray this together right now. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you lived a sinless life. You died in my place and rose three days later. I confess I am a sinner. I need forgiveness. Forgive me for all of my sins.
Give me a new heart and change my life. Today, I decide to follow you. I give you my life right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Can we clap our hands? Several people raising their hands this morning. Here's what I want to do. I want to invite the prayer team to come on up right now. Prayer team, would you come on up? We've got three different couples, leaders in our church who have been faithful uh, in the work of the ministry here at Radiant Church. They have my back. They pray for people. They care for people. They lead ministries. They lead their lives by example. I love these three couples. They're incredible. They're incredible to my wife and I. And I want, listen, they want to pray with you today. And if that's, if that's you, listen, I want to just challenge you. I want to encourage you, strongly encourage you. Don't just bolt out the double doors because I want to get a good, stop, good spot for the parade, okay? I want, I want you to come up and pray with one of us. And we want to talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus. Well, we have some resources that we can make available for you. We just want to come alongside of you. This is not the end of your relationship. This is the very beginning. This is the starting line for you. So in just a few moments, as we, as, as I'm going to pray again, as we pray, listen, and you're dismissed, I, I want to just challenge you. Come up. You can see me. You can see Bill and Celeste. Uh, Barry and Judy are amazing. Troy and Ann, they love you. We love you. And we're for you. We're not against you. Listen, oh, come up and be bold. Be courageous, okay? You made the best decision of your life, and we want to help you. Now, on top of that, next week is baptisms. That is your next step. That's your next step. If, if you're here, if you were already water baptized, don't, you don't have to do it again, okay? Don't do it. You don't have to do it again. Okay, I'm not saying that, okay? But if you've never been water baptized as an adult, as a believer, that's what I mean. As a believer, listen, we would love for you to be water baptized. That is the next step in your faith. These couples will help you sign up. Visit RadiantBC.com and get signed up for that today, okay? I'm going to pray, then we're going to dismiss. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for this day. God, we thank you for new life. We thank you, God, that meeting the real Jesus changes everything, Lord. It changes everything. God, would you, God, would the seed that was planted this morning in the hearts and the lives of these people, God, may you grow it up, God, to, to, to grow up into a tree of righteousness. May it bear much fruit. God, we love you. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who fills us, who changes us, who empowers us to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.